Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, jumping into the NRL Weekly Preview with JJ, who has just ducked up the road to get a munch to eat. We are up to round 12 in the NRL, and if you listened to the podcast last week, well, you may have spotted a mistake. I jumped the gun. I got a little bit too excited. Uh, I called the last podcast Indigenous Round, and this is actually Indigenous Round, so I got a little bit excited. Sorry for the confusion, my bad. That makes sense why no one was wearing... Indigenous jerseys during the weekend's games, but it's Indigenous round this round. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it again. This time it's actually Indigenous round, so makes a whole heap of sense. So many great players from the game. You think of like an Arthur Beetson or Ron Sadler, all the way up to someone like Matty Bowen, Jonathan Thurston. I was a huge fan of Matt Singh, a very, very talented winger. You think of some of the modern stars of the game, Josh Adokar, Latrell Mitchell, and even a couple of years back, someone like Greg Inglis. So it's one of the best rounds of the season. You get to see a lot of the Indigenous boys as well really get to get amongst their culture. It's a very special round for them. They get an extra lift. And we see in the All-Stars game pre-season that it's so much more than just a game or a week of fixtures. There's so much more that goes into that. And they're also able to get out into their communities and make a real difference as well. So I am a huge fan of Indigenous Round, and look, I live in Australia, the Indigenous people's land, it's their land, so I'm gonna do two fucking Indigenous Rounds. My bad for last week, uh, didn't didn't exactly fact check myself, very unlike me to make a mistake or mix something up as well, so yeah, Indigenous Round, this is actually it, Round 12. There are some really, really great games in this weekend's fixture as well. I feel like since Magic Round, in terms of a lot of the games that are taking place, things are really starting to heat up in this season. We have a bit of an idea of who could be in contention, some surprising names like the Broncos and Cowboys, and then some names who we probably know aren't going to be playing finals football. Quite a lot of the bottom eight, honestly, I doubt, are going to make a late run. Teams like the Warriors, the Knights, the Tigers the Bulldogs. So look, there's plenty of season to be played. That's what's really interesting because there's probably one or two spots up for grabs in the eight at this stage because all the top eight sides, they do look a bit of a, well, not all the top eight sides. Rabbitohs are kind of teetering on the edge, but all the rest of the sides look like they'll be there come finals time. So there may only be room for one team outside this top eight to really make a run for it. The Canberra Raiders starting to look really good. Dragons, could you could say, have a case. Um, so look, maybe the Titans as well, but it's hard to tell. Right now it does look like the top eight. It's starting to shore itself up in terms of who's going to be there come, come finals time. We're just not exactly sure of the ladder positions. And we're not even halfway through the season, so there's definitely potential for a lot of change. But from what I'm seeing from a lot of the bottom eight sides... Um, it doesn't look super likely. So we've got eight games to get into. As I said, JJ's gone up the road for a munch. So what we'll do is when he gets back, I will jump into the opening Thursday night game of Indigenous Round. Going to be a lot of fun. 
and we'll go from there. So all eight games, and yeah, I mean, just back on the Indigenous round theme, great round, and one of the players that comes to mind, Indigenous All-Stars representative, Josh Curran, for the side that I support, the Warriors, quickly becoming my favourite player in the NRL, so very excited to see him back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Someone like Ruben Cotter, he's Indigenous, he is playing outstanding football at the moment, He's being talked about as an origin smoky and playing career best football under Todd Payton. And it's very timely that Indigenous round comes now because the Rabbitohs in a bit of a slump. And this round almost always brings the best out of someone like Cody Walker. So big weekend for Cody Walker. So far, it's been a strange year for the Rabbitohs, but I'm a huge fan of Cody's. He did show against the Warriors some glimpses of what he was doing last season. And then against the Raiders, the Rabbitohs just couldn't compete. So it's not just up to Cody Walker to win games. He needs his forwards to be competitive. He needs his backline to have some punch, have some strike. He needs everyone around him to do their job. And I think against the Raiders, the Rabbitohs players as a whole didn't do their job. So that struggled to bring Cody Walker into the game. But I'm expecting surely you try and do everything you can to get Cody Walker playing his best football. And Indigenous round would be a great place to start because you know he's going to be fired up, ready for a big performance. You know this weekend means a lot to him. So yeah, that's a quick note. I definitely think Rabbitohs, out of all the sides in the top eight, they are easily in the most danger. So they're going to need to step it up this weekend. I'll jump to their game soon, but now let's get to the opening clash of the weekend. This one is taking place at Amy Park. Myself and JJ still working out. Should we go to this one? We do live in Melbourne. This should be a cracker of an opening to the fixtures. There's been talk as well that the Melbourne Storm actually want to make this an annual tradition where they always open Indigenous round. So that could be cool. They could make a you know a big deal about that, do a big thing in Melbourne. But that's interesting. I mean, there are a lot of other clubs as well that I'm sure like a team like the Rabbitohs would be a good team to have kick it off. Uh, and we've got the second place Storm up against the 10th placed Manly Seagulls. I'll try and say the uh, actual proper names, uh, indigenous names, but yeah, I haven't had time to prepare for this, so I do apologize. There will be some butchering, but hey, I'm trying, trying to do it. So, Wurundjeri, uh, is that it, JJ? That's that's uh, Melbourne, pretty close. And we've got, I need to zoom this one in, Kamarayagal, Gayamigal, Garigal, which I guess is the manly Waringa region for the seagulls so now we've done that a couple of good indigenous better than fucking good indigenous players from both clubs history for the storm greg inglis uh definitely have fun memories seeing him tear it up for the storm and for the seagulls cliff lyons who was a little bit before my time but all the highlights i've seen absolute gun player and for the 10th place seagulls look They still haven't beaten a top eight side and they're going to be taking on the Storm. And this has been one of the great modern rivalries. Been going on for a while now. I remember the 07 Grand Final where the Storm won, followed by the 2008 Grand Final where Cameron Smith was suspended and Manly won 48 nil. Was it 42 or 48? Uh, I can't exactly remember off the top of my head. But Des Hasler is a problem for Bellamy. Historically, they've always matched up really well in the Seagulls, no matter how they're going in the season. They always seem to find a way to push the Melbourne Storm. So one of the great rivalries, I mean, Battle of Brookvale, probably the one that comes to mind. Always funny that they show highlights like 
this game is built on hatred. And then if anyone like even fucking punt throws one punch or does any kind of like tackle that's a bit too aggressive, they'll be like, you fucking suspended, sent off for 10 minutes. But it was built on rivalry. Um, I don't think there will be any punches thrown this time around. But last time out, Storm destroyed by the Cowboys last round in the round that I thought was Indigenous round. Turns out it was actually just round 11. Um, but this is Indigenous round two, the real one. And the Cowboys, 36-6 to six over the Storm. I didn't see that one coming. And yeah, definitely wondering just how good are the Cowboys? Do we even know yet how good the Cowboys are? And for the Storm, well, do we know what they're going to look like if a couple of key guys such as Pappenhausen or Hughes go down toward the final series. A couple of alarm bells for the Storm, but definitely not what it's made out to be in the media. And for the Seagulls, the very late loss, Sean Kepi getting sin-binned and the Eels getting over the line right at the death, continuing the tag that the Seagulls are flat-track bullies. Even when they look like they've got it done, they still manage to find a way to lose to top eight sides. And with that... Turbo is out for the season. So they played him. I talked a bit about that on the last podcast. He didn't look 100%. Now he's out for the season. So, and Manly sit 10th. All of a sudden, oh, it's looking a little bit tricky. And they were my cause for concern in the NRL Power Hour podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I am still a bit concerned about what's going on at the Manly Seagulls. As far as the conditions for this game, well, it's been cold as fuck in Melbourne, so expect a really cold game. That should make, I would say, the tackles, everything's just a little bit little bit shitter to have to deal with, so they're going to go out. It's going to be cold. Storm moved the footy really, really fast, though. That's one thing I've noticed when I go to games. Incredibly fast pace of the game, so it shouldn't take them too long to get warmed up, but definitely the Melbourne conditions, it's going to play a part. Seagulls coming from Brookvale. I don't know what the Manly Beaches have been like over the last week. Probably fucking lovely. Uh, So yeah, they're going to come now to Melbourne. They'll be having to play in the stadium in Richmond. They'll be like, where's the beach? Like, fucking nowhere here. Where's the nearest beach? Oh, here, it's over there, but fucking sucks. So Manly, the conditions surely will play a part. As far as the notable changes, well, it doesn't get much more notable than Tom Trebojevic out not playing another game for the rest of the season. That sees Ruben Garrick move to fullback and George Tafua playing his first game since 2020. Uh, yeah, he, I guess he kind of like came onto the scene at Manly just after Des Hasler left. And then he hasn't really been in favour with Des Hasler. Played a lot of reserve grade um, in the last couple of years, but he's back on that left wing, Manly having a shortage in their outside backs. Really happy to see George Tafua back in the team. And Josh Schuster, he continues to be named on the bench. Andrew Davies starts. And I think with that, Schuster, he's just going to gain some match fitness off the bench. And in like next round is when the bye round is. So I think they're actually going to be announcing, they must be announcing the Origin teams this weekend. So I think at the end of this podcast, what I'll do is potentially name my Origin sides. Uh, but we'll get down to that. And also my origin side's much less important, to be honest, than the actual ones. But next week, there's going to be only four games. And the teams are going to be changed a little bit because there are going to be guys out for origin. I believe the Seagulls are playing, so no daily Cherry Evans on top of no Trebojevic. And if Jake Trebojevic plays for New South Wales Blues, well then, all of a sudden, Manly, definitely short on some players. So I think Schuster 
Next week, we will see him step into the halves. This outing off the bench will just give him a chance to gain some match fitness. And looking at the Seagulls' extended bench, a lot of really young names that haven't I haven't seen a lot of. Like, I know a, a couple of them, like Weeks and uh, Tui Tavake, but there are a couple of guys, um, I think it was Viliami Fafida, haven't heard or seen anything from him before. There are a couple of others as well, and a young halfback, Jamie Humphreys, who he could also be an option to step in for Daily Cherry Evans next week. There have been pretty high raps on Jamie Humphreys as a future half for the Manly Seagulls, so yet to make his debut, but definitely one to watch. For the Storm, Harry Grant, well, Craig Bellamy admitted it just didn't work playing Grant at halfback last week, so he goes back to the dummy half position, although I am hearing that maybe he's going to be ruled out before kickoff, so we'll have to wait and see as far as that one goes. And Jerome Hughes, named at halfback. That is a massive in. We've seen that the Storm clunky in attack big time without Pappenhausen and uh, Storm. Jerome Hughes, his name is not Storm. That'd be pretty cool if there was just a guy that played for Melbourne Storm and his name was just Storm. No last name. Or that is his last name. No first name. I don't know. What I do know, though, is Jerome Hughes back is a massive, massive in for the Storm. Uh, I actually think Seagulls would have stood a much better chance if Hughes doesn't play, obviously, but especially given Cherry Evans and kind of the question marks as to, like, who's the next man up at the Storm for that halfback jersey? We saw Harry Grant last week. We saw Cooper Johns, who looked out of his depth, but that's against Penrith, who they've made a lot of players look out of their depth. Uh, you've got Jaden Nicarima, who hasn't really been given a crack yet, who can play in the halves. Jonah Pezet, or Pezet, I'm not sure, Pezet. Not sure exactly how you pronounce it, but he's a young half with a lot of raps on him, yet to make his debut, but hasn't been given a chance yet. So it is curious. Nick Meaney, another option in the halves. But after Jerome Hughes, there is a bit of a lack of clarity as to who that next man up is for the Storm, although I'm not super concerned about it. Now, Nelson Asofa Solomonas, still not named, so he's going to be out for another week. That's a shame. After what he did to the Warriors with that kick, he could be a fucking halfback option, honestly. But no Nelson Asofa Solomona, and we see with Harry Grant starting at hooker. Brandon Smith moves back to the bench, although if Grant doesn't get named or is dropped late, because there have been injury concerns, so that's what I'm hearing, he may not play, then Brandon Smith will probably come off the bench unless they want to go wish hard. But I would assume they go Brandon Smith back into dummy half. And as far as some talking points, well, a lot of talk are cracks starting to appear at the Storm. I would say realistic ones, but like, no. No, probably not. Give them like, once Pappenhausen's back and like, they've got a full system going. Like, obviously they're not going to be right on par with Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater in that era, but... At the same time, they actually, I'm pretty sure last season was the, their best season ever. And it was one of the best seasons ever. So this Storm side, they're doing things of their own. And there are injuries and there are going to be like growing pains to that. But cracks, it's more, I don't know. It's like, yeah, maybe their depth is being tested a little bit, especially in the back line. But I wouldn't say cracks. One thing JJ said that definitely makes a lot of sense. They played Penrith and then Cowboys. They played... The other two best sides in the competition. I guess that's why there's been criticism because they haven't like played well at all in those games. But cracks appearing at the Storm, uh, I don't know. Like I thought, yeah, they may get tested this year, but 
Cracks appearing like long term, something to actually be worried about. I would say no. Maybe when they've lost like five games in a row, we'll come back to that. Uh, as for cracks appearing, the Seagulls, I think they look like they're going to miss the eight. And earlier in the season, I did say if there was one team to kind of have a shock season where they didn't go as well as people thought, it could be the Seagulls, but they could also have an unbelievable season. So it was kind of like, I felt like they were either going to be a top four side or they weren't going to make the eight at all. And now I do have genuine concerns about the Seagulls and their chances of making finals football. But as far as the teams outside of the eight, they're probably one of the only prime operators that can actually make a run and get into finals. So that does work in their favor. But the fact that they haven't beaten the top eight side probably tells us what we need to know at almost the halfway point in the season. Although Manly, definitely a danger side for the Storm, especially given how the Storm have played the last couple of weeks. I wonder how much the conditions of Townsville last week affected them with the humid conditions. And now they're going to be coming into freezing cold conditions. Storm no doubt primed for a bounce back, but something about this game does kind of say like, the Seagulls desperately need to beat a top side. They are always up for a Storm game. So this one has a feel of a really grinding contest about it. Some of the key battles, we've got Ruben Garrick and Nick Meaney, not directly opposite each other, but playing fullback. And when you think of the Storm, Ryan Pappenhausen out. And for the Seagulls, Trebojevic out for the season. So this is a really key matchup. That is a really important part for both sides, it's where they score a lot of their points. And for Ruben Garrick and Nick Meaney, they're both going to need to step up to that next level. Meaney more of a natural fullback than Garrick, but Garrick has probably shown a little bit more over the last few years in first grade. So I think that'll be a good battle. I'm really keen to see the battle in the middle between the lock forwards, Jake Trebojevic, up against Josh King, who Josh King has been outstanding, one of the buys of the season for the Melbourne Storm. And the halves battle, Munster and Hughes, presuming he plays, up against Foran and Cherry Evans. So very high level halves, all four of them elite halves. They'll be getting their side around the park and they will definitely have a big bearing as to what the result is. My point of difference was going to be Harry Grant, given that Lachlan Croker for the Manly Seagulls, like serviceable, but Harry Grant is an elite number nine. If he doesn't play this, then I guess you'd say Brandon Smith. Point of difference, the fact that he can slot straight in there. Deliam, dummy half of the year last year as well. And whilst there's been criticism on Brandon Smith and his form, he's playing a totally different role this year. Majority of his football has been played as a middle forward rather than the dummy half. And it's a different weight. It's a different playing style and preparation. So... I think we'll see him firing on all cylinders, no doubt, when he plays dummy half for the Roosters next year. And look, he's starting to get a few more cracks at the number nine this year. But yeah, ultimately, I, I think the form thing is a little bit unwarranted. I'd still say some of the old journos are like pissed off that he did cocaine. And they'll be like, nah, his form fucking sucks. He partied in the off season. It's like, what? Footy player partied in the off season? Shut up. Uh, now, just before I get to the prediction, really hard to gauge where the Storm are at based on the last couple of weeks. Before that, they were absolutely fucking blitzing teams. A couple of changes to the team and all of a sudden, not looking as fluent. The combination's not working as well together. Uh, but Manly, they have not been convincing at all this year. 
They are now without their most valuable player for the season as well. And for the Melbourne Storm, they get one of their most valuable players back in Jerome Hughes. Now, that is a major boost. We don't know if there are going to be late changes. I've heard that Hughes is expected to play, whilst Grant looks like he's going to be a late withdrawal. So we'll see what the late changes are once the game actually takes place. But as for my prediction, I'm going to take the Melbourne Storm. Seagulls haven't beaten a top eight side yet. So I'll believe it when I see it. I'm probably not going to predict it until that point, until I've actually seen it. And although they came very close and took the Eels all the way, they still couldn't get it done. And as for the Storm, I'm expecting a bounce back, but I was expecting a bounce back against the Cowboys as well. So maybe alarm bells do start to ring if they get convincingly beat by the Seagulls at Amy Park. But again, until I see that happen... That's not the call I'm going to make. So I'm going to take the Melbourne Storm. I think they'll have too much to offer for the Seagulls. But I won't be surprised if the Seagulls jag an upset here. But overall, taking the Melbourne Storm. JJ, we still don't know if we're going to the game. But what we do know is that we've got JJ's take at the end of this one. So Melbourne Storm and Seagulls, where are you at with this one? How do you think, as you'd say, actually, that this one's going to play out? Yeah, it should be an interesting clash, this one. Uh, Thursday night, I like your call on maybe a bit of a grinding contest. You know, you got two big players out, respectively, both fullbacks out, two huge impact players, so maybe we'll just call that even. Uh, but yeah, based on the rest of the pieces, um, Storm losing to the Cowboys, as, as you kind of touched on, I can I can see how that played out as it as it played out like it makes sense post the game like obviously we were kind of expecting the storm to do a storm thing and just kind of get the job done but i can't really see them losing three in a row especially at amy park i can't remember them losing games except other than against the eels who seem to do well there uh but in this one i'm pretty down on the sea eagles overall so against the storm in melbourne yeah it's got to be the storm for mine Now it's time for the early Friday game. And I thought these were meant to be the non-prime times. I thought this was just like, you know, for the Tigers, Bulldogs, or like Bulldogs, Knights kind of action. But we've got the first place Panthers hosting the third place Cowboys. We've got the game of the round taking place in the early Friday game. This will definitely be one to come home for and get super pumped about. And look, it's taking place at the Panthers' home ground as well. Cowboys coming off that 36-6 win over the Storm, so their confidence is as high as it possibly could be going into this game against the defending Premiers, who look almost certain to go back-to-back. But one of the sides that are standing in their way are the Cowboys, funnily enough, which almost no one saw coming. I definitely didn't see it coming. Uh, And the Panthers last round, they absolutely whacked the Roosters. They continue to just put away with the top sides with ease. And now they're going to go up against the Cowboys. And this is genuinely going to be such an exciting clash to watch. There's going to be a finals-like atmosphere. And yeah, I genuinely can't wait. No doubt, this is the game of the round. Looking at the ins and outs, the Panthers have the same 17 that got the job done easily against the Sydney Roosters. Whilst the Cowboys, some changes... But keep in mind, these players actually, they went off during the Storm game and the Cowboys still absolutely thrashed the Storm without these players. But no Kyle Felt, no Jason Taumalolo. So some really big omissions there through injury. We see Hamiso, Tabuai Fido come onto that right wing, which opens up a bench spot for Granville. 
and Cohen Hess starts at lock. So Jermaine Taunoa Brown, he comes onto the bench. And if you listen to the NRL Power podcast on the weekend, I was going through some reserve grade performers. Jermaine Taunoa Brown was outstanding for the Northern Pride on the weekend, so he's earned the call up onto the bench. Checking out some talking points, untimely losses for the Cowboys to have no Tamalolo and felt for this clash against a full-strength Panthers outfit. But that's the NRL, no doubt. Todd Payton is going to have his side fully ready for this occasion. And for Panthers, one loss and 10 wins so far in this season. The back-to-back looking very much on. And the Cowboys look... I heard, I think it was Maddie Johns who made the comparison to the 2005 West Tigers team who actually featured Todd Payton in that side. So a little bit of similarities. And yeah, it's all of a sudden there's a bit of a fairy tale season underway where a lot of people I'm sure will jump on the Cowboys bandwagon come finals time if they're still going as well as they are. And yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm just loving it. That's all I can say, really, to summarize it. It's fucking crazy. I had them sitting in 15th preseason, so I could not be more impressed. They made so many changes with their attack and defense. We're seeing them score plenty of tries, but more importantly, the real feature of their game has been the defense. Worked all preseason on it, and it's definitely paying dividends. Like, this is a totally new Cowboys outfit, and it seems like the sky's the limit for them. They've got some origin bolters as well. Jeremiah Nanai, Ruben Cotter, both genuine chances of lining up for the Maroons. And same goes for Murray Taolonghi, who, look, at the moment I said I'm going to name my origin sides at the end of the episode, I actually think Murray Taolonghi, I know Xavier Coates is an option as well, right or left, but right now I'm actually really, really liking the form of Murray Taolonghi. I don't think it would hurt to put him in the origin arena and give him a little bit of experience there because he's starting to develop really really nicely showing signs of a really high level winger in the last couple of weeks so yeah he looks like he's gonna develop into an origin player don't think it would hurt to see him on the wing but Xavier Coates, Selwyn Cobbo, Corey Oates there are a lot of names at the moment being floated about for those origin wing spots and talking about the Blues and their team well Stephen Crichton looks poised to clinch one of the center spots Katoni Stagg's number one option looks like he'll get one of them with Tom Trebojevic and Luttrell out. Uh, and look, Stephen Crichton, surely. He can't do much more to warrant selection. And there's been talk about playing him alongside Brian Toto, which he does at club level. Not sure whether they'd go left or right side, but definitely interested to see Stephen Crichton make his origin debut. Seems like he's been destined for that for a while now. And just a thriller of an early Friday clash. So many narratives. Uh, but the narratives, are, I'm not even thinking about the narratives, to be honest. I'm actually just very keen to see how the game actually plays out. And who takes center stage? Who steps up? A lot of key battles. In the fullback position, you have Dylan Edwards up against Scott Drinkwater. Dylan Edwards in career best form, while Scott Drinkwater, number one, seems like his best position. Cowboys haven't had a lot of clarity over that in recent years as well with Hamaso Tabuai Fido being an option, as well as Valentine Holmes in the last couple of years. So Scott Drinkwater really starting to cement himself as the first choice option for the Cowboys at fullback. And the halves battle, obviously, I've been so impressed with Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden. They are going to get the ultimate test this week up against Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. 
No doubt, as always, Harv's going to play a huge part in this contest. And I actually had Jerome Luai as my X-Factor player of the round, last round, only just beating out Selwyn Cobbo. But I just thought Cobbo's performance was against the Knights, whilst Jerome Luai absolutely tore it up against the Roosters. So I just thought the the level of competition, without any disrespect to Selwyn Cobbo, who had the best game last weekend, but I thought that X-Factor player really went to Jerome Luai, who stepped up in one of the biggest games of the weekend, with the other biggest game featuring the Cowboys stepping it up big time. So yeah, I'm, I'm so pumped for this clash. I'm sure everyone is. Another battle I'm keen to see, Murray Taolonghi up against Brian Toto. That, no doubt, is going to be a fun one to see go down. We've got Taylor May up against the Hammer as well. That's an exciting contest between two of the brightest young stars in the game. And Valentine Holmes, in great form playing in the centres, head-to-head with Stephen Crichton. So a lot of great battles to take place on the field. In terms of the forwards, my favourite one I'm looking forward to, Viliami Kikau up against Jeremiah Nanai, both playing incredibly good football Jeremiah Nanai, I mean, form back row of the competition, playing insanely good football. I think he deserves to get picked for the Queensland Maroons. My point of difference for this game, no Jason Taumalolo. It's a bit of a double whammy, this one. It's no Taumalolo plus Isaiah Yo as the point of difference for the Panthers, who he's right up at the top of the Dallium leaderboard, absolutely killing it at lock forward, and... Both he and Taumalolo are so essential to their side. No Taumalolo for the Cowboys. Isaiah Yo playing better footy than he ever has for the Panthers. An absolute shoe-in to play number 13 for the Blues come origin time. And he's my point of difference in this one. He's got one more game to get some, you know, I don't know. He's had plenty of experience and fitness, but just like one more game, get through it, and then you're going to be playing in origin. So you want to have a good game, get yourself just humming leading into origin which he has been best player of the season in many people's eyes so far he's been a huge part of the panthers success so Isaiah Yo is my point of difference and in this game look two great defenses of the competition on display with two amazing attacks on display as well so it's gonna be hard to tell like both are so good defensively so maybe there's not many points scored but both sides at the same time seem to have that ability to pile on the points. I mean, the Cowboys this year as well just look like a totally new team. Kind of shades of what Panthers did in 2020, like a really young side for the Cowboys. They've got a lot of Queenslanders for the Panthers, a lot of local juniors from the Western Sydney region. But Cowboys, there are similarities there as well. They've come even more so from the clouds. And they look definitely like genuine contenders, but we'll find out exactly where they stand up against a full-strength Penrith Panthers outfit this weekend. And I'm going to take the Panthers. I went against the Panthers for the first time last weekend, and I was taught a lesson, went absolutely shocking in the tipping. Going to go back to what I know. If it's not broken, don't fix it. And I'm going to take the Panthers in this one, but very excited to see what the Cowboys can offer I'll be happy for whoever wins. I'm a huge fan of both teams. But if the Cowboys win, then all of a sudden, like, this season is just going to be flipped on its head. But we'll have to see how this one goes down. I am taking the Panthers over the Cowboys in the early Friday clash. JJ, first versus third. Panthers-Cowboys. As you like to say, how's this one going to play out? 
Yeah, it should be an absolutely epic clash this one. I imagine the fixture makers at the start of the season didn't quite see the Cowboys run coming either. So, um, yeah, it's it's been very exciting to watch in this game in particular. I am concerned about those two massive outs of Felt and Tamalolo um, going against an unchanged number one side, let's say. Uh, it's, it's worrying, but I expect it to be a great clash nonetheless. Could be low scoring like you suggested should be some solid D. I'm just, I don't know what, I'm just thinking that it could be a Nathan field, a Nathan field goal, no, a Nathan Cleary field goal that that would be, uh, could be like 11-10, something like that. I just feel like, as I said, the two big outs will be the difference, but it'll be, Penrith ha- absolutely have to win this one to like make the statement that they're the number one top team, and I think they will, but Cowboys will put in a good showing. All right, now time for the Friday night game. This still with some primetime feel about it. One of the 4X derbies, with the Cowboys having taken all the 4X derbies that have come this season, or taken place, kind of in speak English. Uh, well, now the Cowboys can't win this one because it is the Broncos who sit fifth up against the 13th place Titans, easily the most disappointing out of all the Queensland sides, which... I guess, like, it's fair, but a little bit harsh as well, given that both the other Queensland sides having absolutely unreal seasons. Factor in as well, the Dolphins making their way into the competition. Next year, they've just made another signing. Ewan Aitken, who is at the Warriors at the moment, heading off to the Dolphins next year, can play second row or centre. So that's a big signing. And Titans, 13th. Like, finals is starting to slip away from them, I think, over this origin period. We'll see whether a side can make a run or not. But after that, the top eight looks like pretty short up. There's only maybe one or two spots. Titans sitting 13th. Like they really can't afford too many losses. Jared Wallace, well, hopefully he can score a few more tries for the Titans. He has been in unreal form the last couple of weeks. And for the Broncos, I mean, you want to speak about unreal form. They are flying five straight wins for the Brisbane club. And yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the revival of a couple of these Queensland sides. Titans, uh, well, there was no revival to begin with. They've never been a top side. So that, that's the issue. The Titans, they've had their rebrand. They changed the logo, the jerseys, these premiership dreams. And they're lacking significantly. They're just, they're missing the mark. I'm trying not to be too critical. They're growing. I love Holbrook as a coach. I think there's still plenty of time, but definitely... Titans major disappointments this season 13th place absolutely not good enough for the side that they have and the Broncos in fifth exceeding a lot of people's expectations almost everyone's I think is fair to say running away last week late against Newcastle to get their fifth straight win and they yeah they held in there Newcastle did push them in a game that I thought would be a tough one for the Broncos given that it was taking place in Newcastle but yeah, the Broncos way too strong in the end. Selwyn Cobbo absolutely tearing it up. And the Titans last weekend, they were outclassed by the Sharks. They kind of yeah, got in there toward the end, but it was it was nothing legit. And Sharks definitely outclassed, I felt like, was the word. Gold Coast Titans just not looking on the same level as Cronulla. Checking out the ins and outs for this game, we see that Ezra Mam has been retained in the halves. He played last week for the Broncos with Adam Reynolds out and played really well. Two try assists. He's an electric attacking player. So, look, I think it doesn't hurt to give him a second consecutive week, another taste of first grade. Let Adam Reynolds get healthy because we've seen how important he is 
We've seen what happens when you push your best players as well with Tom Trebojevic. And Ezra Mam, he looks like he's ready to play some first grade. So I like that. will be interesting to see how the Broncos go against the Gold Coast without Adam Reynolds. And for the Titans, Brian Kelly comes into the centers with Philip Sammy out with a knee complaint. So Brian Kelly back into the side. He should be a big inclusion for the Gold Coast. Broncos, they'll be chasing six consecutive victories, whilst the Titans have losses in five of their last six. So very contrasting form lines. And in the 4X derby, look, we know in these derbies anything can happen, which do make the Gold Coast a major danger side. They know that a loss here, and all of a sudden they're going to start in a few weeks having a look forward to 2023 if they can't get a couple of wins on the board over the next few weeks so yeah you don't want to plan your monday or mad monday celebration too early although on the gold coast you can be forgiven for maybe giving it some thought a little bit earlier in the year but yeah titans they they should be thinking about finals right now they are thinking about survival just where their next win is going to come from And the Broncos do not look like they're just going to hand them a win. It looks like if the Titans get it done, they are going to have to earn it in a really tough contest. And Broncos DNA, it looks like it's back under Kevin Walters. Nobody understands it better than he does other than like a Wayne Bennett or someone like Alfie Langer who's also involved at the club. So plenty of knowledge on what has made the Broncos successful in the past. Uh, with an eye to the future as well. These guys aren't stuck in their ways. They're not trying to make these guys the same Broncos or make them try and live up to any kind of like, you have to be Gordon Tellis or you have to do this or be like this. But the Broncos DNA as a whole and the attacking structure and the defense and just the spirit and the vibe when they run out in front of Suncorp Stadium and it feels like a big deal. It feels like the Broncos getting back to their best. So Kevin Walters... Great, great pickup as a coach. They held that off for ages until the club were absolutely fucking at rock bottom. And then they were like, yeah, you can have the job now. And he still managed to make an absolute success of it. So Kevin Walters, definitely the right guy for the job. And talking about some origin selection, uh, Selwyn Cobbo, he looks like he may very well. It's down to he, Coates, and a couple of others. But Selwyn Cobbo, I mean, if you had to pick one bolter or youngster, that is almost guaranteed to get named, I think Selwyn Cobbo. And his partner in the centres, Katoni Staggs, well, he looks like he's destined to be named for the New South Wales Blues. So that right side for the Broncos, absolutely humming. Both the centre and the winger look like they're going to play for the origin sides, Blues and Maroons, respectively. And that should be very exciting. I mean, origin time, now we can start really talking about it because it's very close. I believe they're naming the teams this weekend. So a lot to look forward to. My key battle for this one going to be in the middle. I like thinking about Payne Haas up against Tino Fasua Malaawe. That is going to be an impactful contest. Both of them, they set the tone in the middle. They are dynamic, marquee young forwards as well. And they'll have a bearing, no doubt, on the result. Payne Haas, I think, has a bit of an edge form-wise. And both of them, again, you want to talk about origin, both of them look like they're going to play. Painhouse would be, it'd be insane if he wasn't named to start at prop or play off the bench for the New South Wales Blues. Whilst Tino is definitely going to be in there somewhere for the Maroons as well. Point of difference, Broncos' defense and their form. Titans have been in shit form for the most part, whilst the Broncos, 
They've been in sensational form. Titans as well have Jermaine Azarko on the wing. I saw there was an article, apparently he said something about, yeah, like Kevin Walters, probably nothing. And I went to click on it, Courier Mail, no shout out, fuck you guys. Um, and it was behind a paywall. And I was like, that's as far as I'm going. I don't give a shit. This is going to be some like nothing story. Um, but Jermaine Azarko did say something and I don't know what he said, so I won't take it out of context. But yeah, like Broncos going phenomenally. Kevin Walters, I don't know, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't a shot, so yeah, I'm not going to say anything about that, because Zarko probably said fucking nothing of importance, no discredit to him, more discredit to whoever made the story, but point of difference, Broncos defense and their form, Titans look, the vibe, it's not on, it's a little bit off, whereas the Broncos, they look very much on as a cohesive unit, I'm going to be taking the Brisbane Broncos, although... As I've said, Titans, they badly need a win if they want to play finals this year. Forex Derby as well. Anything can happen during these Derby games. So don't just, yeah, don't be too quick if you're throwing money on it to just go, yep, Brisbane, absolutely going to get it done. Because the Titans, they do have some guys that I think have potential to set this game alight. AJ Brimson, the first one that comes to mind. Jaden Campbell. But ultimately, I mean, I cannot deny the Broncos' form Titans form, leaving a lot to be desired, especially in defense, which is an area where I think the Broncos can exploit them. So I'm going to take the Brisbane Broncos to get it done. JJ, the 4X Queensland derby. How do you see this one going down? Yeah, look, I can definitely see the Titans lifting a bit because it is a derby. Uh, but if you look at it on paper and the form lines, they're basically at polar opposite ends of the spectrum in that in that circumstance. The Broncos on fire, impressive win last week, albeit over, it, was, it was over the Knights, but without you know the main man who's really been orchestrating everything. So with him back, which is back? Who? Reynolds? No. Oh, he's not back. <laughs> Despite that, I still, I'm still going to take the Broncos. They're just looking way too good, and especially at Suncorp. It's look, starting to look like an absolute fortress again, so... Uh, yeah, there's definitely those danger players. I love Jaden Campbell. He's really lighting up the TV. So, But despite that, I expect there to be tons of points in this game. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Broncos for mine. Okay, kicking off Super Saturday, we have the 12th-placed Aotearoa Warriors up against the 15th-placed Knights in Redcliffe. And look, with the Warriors, the New Zealand homecoming is fast approaching. That is going to be my favorite part of the season Early parts of the season, there's been some good amongst a lot of bad, but look, like, yeah, it's been mediocre. I'm not going to single out too many names. I've seen a lot of criticism on Sean Johnson, which I think a lot of it's been really unwarranted. He was like the only thing getting us going in the game against the Dragons last weekend, and he's just like an easy target for the blame of losses. It's been that way ever since Sean Johnson was at the club. He went away to the Sharks. He's come back. I'm a huge supporter of Sean Johnson. I mean, I don't know if we've got a better option right now. I mean, we've got Volkman, who is a future talent, no doubt, but he could play 5-8. There are a lot of different options. Last up, Warriors, they were mediocre, as they almost always are, up against the Dragons, losing for the second time to St. George this season. Whilst the Knights, I mean, you want to talk about mediocre... They've been mediocre all season. They were that way again up against the Broncos. 
in a loss, although they did, sorry, I think I just burped on the thing, fucking, my apologies, um, but the Knights last, yeah, look, they're second last on the ladder, they're last, they got smacked, they just haven't been able to get things together, and yeah, they were denied a shocker by the bunker, that, I think it was Gagai, that was absolutely a try, but in the end, like, yeah, Knights still very average in the back end of that contest, Looking at the ins and outs for this game, huge outs for the Warriors. Matt Lodge named last Tuesday. Well, now he is gone, skis. He's playing rugby union in Brisbane, I saw. And Adam Fanua Blake potentially out for the season at the very least six to eight weeks. Uh, and that there goes pretty much the whole core of what we were trying to build. It was pretty much built around our two middle forwards and then all the pieces surrounding that. But, I mean, you couldn't get... Two bigger losses for the Warriors. That is monumental. And we see that Chanel Harris-Tavita has been named at 5'8". But if you hadn't heard, Chanel Harris-Tavita making a very brave decision, but one that I totally back and would support. In 2023, he's going to take a year off from from the game to travel, uh, pursue writing, and just things that he actually is interested in. And that's totally fair. Like, young halves in the NRL, so much pressure is put on them by the media and just the game itself and fans. And if your club's not going well, it really can totally just suck the enjoyment out of footy. And like, yeah, it's your dream job. Yeah, it's what you wanted to do growing up. But at a point, like it does, it drains your energy and it's it's all you're doing week in, week out for like your whole career. So I can definitely understand wanting to go traveling or having other things where it's like, you know what? I'd like to try this and do this. And then, you know, in 2024, if he's ready to come back, then he can come back. I don't think a gap year is a bad idea at all. In fact, I think it may be a fantastic idea. It might work out perfectly for Chanel Harris-Tavita. So best of luck for him, but he has committed to the rest of the season. And he comes into the side at 5'8". So really excited to see him play some footy. And Jazz Tavanga named at prop. So a bit in the Ruben Cotter mold and Tavanga already playing in the middle anyway, but moved from dummy half to prop with Freddie Lusick coming from the bench. He will now start at dummy half and Taniella Otukolu will come onto the bench. Young dummy half who I think from next season onwards, I don't know if we'll retain Lusick and I think Otukolu is going to start to put some pressure on Wade Egan in the next couple of years for that number nine jersey. We see Dynamis Louie named amongst the reserves, just signed to the Warriors. Seen a lot of criticism of that as well. Look, that's not a straight swap for like Lodge and Adam Fanua Blake. That's not what they're trying to do. He wouldn't have cost much at all. I don't think fucking quality middle forwards are lining up, knocking on the door saying like, I want to come to the Warriors right now. So like, yeah, I've seen some negativity around Dynamis Louie. It's not his fucking fault. Like... He puts in solid effort for, like, years. He's played a lot of first grade, always puts in a lot of effort. Like, I'm happy with that. He would have cost fuck all. Like, he's off to the Dolphins next year, so he's there to shore up the middle. Like, quit being so bloody negative. Looking at the Knights and their ins and outs, we see Inari Tuala comes in for Bradman Best, who suffered that graphic injury last week. And Jake Clifford had a good outing in the New South Wales Cup. He comes into the halfback position for Adam Clune, and I like that. I think Milford and Clifford, that's probably the best halves combination possible for the Knights right now. So I think they should stick with that and try and make it work. Looking at some of the talking points, 
the big men for the Warriors, Fanua Blake and Lodge out. That is the major talking point. Like, uh, I'll support the Warriors here, but yeah, if we lose this one, I've pretty much given up hope for this year. I already pretty much have given up hope for this year, and I really don't know just how much this is going to affect our go forward. Probably a lot. But hopefully, guys, like, Tavanga is always quality. Hopefully, guys like Murdoch Masilla can stand up. Aaron Pene off the bench. Bunty Arfoa, who's one of my favorite Warriors. And you've got the young Kepu twins. Now you've got Dynamis Louis. But yeah, definitely major talking point. The void left by the two Warriors big men. For the Knights, well, Anthony Milford. I've spoken a bit about bottom eight sides and who, who could potentially make a run. Well, the Knights... It looks unlikely they're sitting in 15th place, but Milford, if something's going to be the turning point, that could very well be Milford. I like the combination between he and Clifford, and with Callum Ponga at the back, like there's potential for them to go on a run. It does look unlikely, but Anthony Milford, a much needed in for the Knights as of last week. Checking out another talking point, Nathan Brown, the Warriors coach, former Knights coach, so would have a bit of an understanding on some of these players that are opposing the Warriors this weekend. And Nathan Brown, I've seen a lot of criticism on him as well, and at times I've been critical too, but I'm going to wait and just hold off like, yeah, we're not where we should be, but I am seeing some good development in players, some players starting to come along nicely. I think it's going to be hard to get a quality coach to the Warriors as well, so I would give it the rest of this season. If we're really, really poor, then I would like us to maybe consider something else. But at this stage, just holding fire. We're too a bit too quick to push coaches out the door, and it might be something more than that. It could be a high performance issue. So that's something. It's more than the coach. We've established that at the New Zealand Warriors. So we'll see how that plays out. But Nathan Brown, former Knights coach. Speaking of the Knights, look, they're forwards. That is a major point of difference. There's potential for them to totally outmuscle the Warriors. David Klemmer playing outstanding football and the Saifidi twins. Like, that's a double whammy. Like, you've always got one of those big Saifidi boys running at you. That's going to be a big test for the Warriors, who, as I mentioned, they're missing their two enforcers now for the. Like, one's gone and one's out potentially for the rest of the season. Knights with their three big boppers, that is going to be a major point of difference. And the Warriors, they are playing for their top eight chances. Very, very slim. They've shown that, look, most likely this year, just not top eight material. But with the Auckland return looming, this is a must-win game. And I don't think we're going to make the eight. I would be surprised if we went on a run. But, you know, for the sake of the actual proceedings, it's an important game. It is an important game. As you can tell, gradually over the course of the season, Faith being lost in my voice by the week. Um, but yeah, this is a must-win game. Now we are significantly weaker without our two props, but it's against the Knights. If this was against anyone else other than maybe the Bulldogs, then this would be a pretty straight, clear-cut tip against the Warriors. But I'm a fan. My tips are biased. I've only gone against the Warriors a couple of times this season, that being like Storm... I think Roosters, um, maybe the Sharks game as well. But other than that, I've stuck with the Warriors. I always try to keep an optimistic half-glass-full approach. But yeah, looking at this from a non-biased angle and perspective, major, major point of difference for the Knights to have the Saifidi twins and David Klemmer. I am seriously concerned about how the Warriors are going to hold up through the middle of the field 
and on the edges, which is where most of our defensive lapses were last week. Adam Pompey having a poor game. He's got a lot of potential. I still think he's definitely, you know, could be a first grader for us for a while to come. But, yeah, I don't know. We're just, we're not holding up in terms of our backline strike and depth and what we have to offer compared to pretty much every team. And you think about the Knights, they have Dane Gagai. And Nari Tuala, a pretty decent player when he's on. Dominic Young, quality winger. Callum Ponga, Milford. So, yeah, if the Knights get that go forward and really start pushing the Warriors back, which non-biased like I think that's what's going to happen and if Milford gets off the back of that Kellen Ponga I think the Knights they're going to be in for a real big lift they need this win they've been searching for something and I think they can find it here against the Warriors outfit who have a knack for making some of the poorer teams in the competition look like all-stars so yeah I am worried for the Warriors chances they're significantly worse for their losses and the Knights, they are due for a bounce-back win. In saying that, as I preface this, this is going to be a biased prediction. I'm predicting the Warriors. They're going to be my tip. And yeah, they're my team. Um, the Knights haven't shown me a whole lot. I'm more, It's more my concern over the Warriors that leads me to think the Knights most likely going to win this one. But yeah, I'm holding out for another week. We'll see. If the Warriors lose this one, then, yeah, I don't know if I, how much more often I can make a case to pick them against any side in the competition. So I am quite worried about my side, and I do think the Newcastle Knights, they are due for a bounce-back win, but Warriors, I'm going to take the Warriors. I'm hoping Sean Johnson can get us over the line. Bit of Reese Walsh magic, and if we are to get it done, it's got to be the Fords who stand up. Jazz Tavanga always putting in his best effort. We need everyone because we are going to be undersized. Jazz Tavanga and Ewan Aitken, two of our best forwards, but much, much smaller than the forwards that the Knights have. So I am worried about this, but I'm going to take the Warriors and not much other than just being a fan of the Warriors and hoping like if we are to have any chance of being somewhat decent, then the Knights I would hope we could beat, but they have beat us the last couple of times we've played them. And yeah, head, knights, heart, warriors. But I'll make my, um, in my official tipping, I've gone with the warriors. They're always, you know, a make or break, usually break, but not many people tip the warriors. So it's a good, it's a good one to distinguish. But yeah, really worried about them letting me down here. Knights, I'm not super critical of right now because I actually think they are going to have a great performance this weekend. They've been building and just, they've been struggling, but they've been building towards something. They showed plenty against the Broncos for about 50 minutes of that contest. And the Broncos going a hell of a lot better than the Warriors. So look, as you can tell, like if, if you were going to bet on this, I'd say Knights. But my prediction, I'm taking the Warriors. Full faith in the boys still to make the top eight. Absolutely not. I don't have any faith in that. But to get it done against the Knights, well, oh, I'm hoping because otherwise I don't know how many other wins or how many more wins we're going to get this season. So kind of dire, kind of grim, but let's go on Warriors. I'm going to take the Warriors over the Knights. JJ, Warriors Knights, this one, at least each week, you don't have a biased perspective. So I think it'll be a bit easier for you to call, but tricky game as well. Like Knights, I mean, the Warriors have been average, but they're sitting higher on the table than the Knights. So, 
yeah, I'm wondering, like, how do Knights fans feel? And I'm also wondering, JJ, how do you feel about this game, Warriors and Knights? Alrighty, how do I feel? I feel a bit, little bit worried for Warriors fans. Just lost a few key pieces on a bit of a down slump. Extremely patchy all year has been my comment. And the Newcastle Knights, I mean, they just got Milford back. He looked a little bit underdone last week, but you could see the moments of creativity, especially in the first half. So it's a real sticky spot here for the Warriors. I'm expecting to get uh, for Newcastle to have a bounce back because um, they, they did show signs early in the season. So if they can even approach a little bit of that with Gagai, with Milford, um, taking a little bit of pressure off Ponga in terms of like having to do everything. So unfortunately, I've got to take the Knights here until the Warriors can really show me something. So, yeah. Next up, we have a very quality, or what hopefully it may not be, but should be a very quality game on the second Super Saturday fixture. The eighth-placed Rabbitohs with a very rich history in terms of Indigenous culture up against the 14th-placed Tigers, who they have a pretty flash, looks very good, their Indigenous jersey. Uh, and a young Indigenous player returning to their side as well, Dane Laurie, back at fullback for the Tigers. And Wests, historically, in the last few seasons, and you know how they've been going for the last decade, but they've been a danger side for the Rabbitohs. That is one that I've always noted. I've, the, some bets, you know, you know, sometimes you just place some bets and after a couple of times, you start to mentally note, like, oh, what the fuck? Uh, and this is definitely one of them. And I noted that earlier in the season. And the West Tigers, look, they got it done, Golden Point, in April, round seven. So not that long ago. And I can't remember whether that was the Hastings one or the Luke Brooks one. It was like back-to-back weeks. But the Tigers got it done there. There have been other times, like last year, if you remember, they pushed the Rabbitohs right to the limit with the Tom Burgess-Luke Brooks video referee situation. And one other note is that every time a side has, like, there's been a side, I can never phrase this properly, the sides have played each other twice so far this season, every time the side that won the first time has won the second. We saw that again with the Dragons and Warriors on the weekend. Dragons won in round one, and then they won again later. Same with the Broncos up against the Rabbitohs. So maybe, you know, I really feel the Tigers could be a massive danger side, especially given last up against the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs played so average that it gave the Tigers a chance to build confidence, get a bit of momentum and a little bit of form that they can carry into this one against the eighth-placed Rabbitohs, who, against the Raiders, not in good form at all. In fact, you'd have to say pretty awful. They were out-muscled in the middle without Cameron Murray, who's been named on the extended reserve. So it'll be interesting to see whether he plays because he should be a lock for the New South Wales Blues in origin. So I I don't know if they'll risk him here, but they do kind of need him up against the Tigers. And Mark Nichols, in terms of some firepower, firepower in the middle, Mark Nichols bound for the Dolphins next year, but he returns. I believe he's on the bench. And for the Tigers, Dane Laurie back at fullback and Luke Brooks is back. I thought Jock Madden played really well last week, but Brooks back into 5'8 this week. They'll be hoping to get it done for the second time up against the Rabbitohs. And Souths, they're no longer one of the major contenders. In fact, they actually look the most likely out of all the sides in the 8 to be the one that drops out. And right now the 8 does look pretty steady. It does look somewhat certain. So I'm a little bit... 
unsure as to where the Rabbitohs stand, and it's up to them to prove whether they are contenders or not. And it's going to be a bit of a test over Origin because they do have some players that are going to be playing in those fixtures. And I think if there is an injury in the halves, I guess now Nikarima can step in there. So that's a good signing. But yeah, they've missed Luttrell quite a lot. And they've missed no one more than Adam Reynolds and their former coach, Wayne Bennett. And things just, they don't quite have that same feel to it at the Rabbitohs. But it is, well, it's not even early in the season now. We're coming toward, we're in that second third of the season now as we come through Origin but there is still two-thirds of the season left. So the Rabbitohs, this is a game that they just simply need to win against the 14th place Tigers, where if the Tigers had to have be any chance of making the finals, they have to win this game. Otherwise, there's just too many points to make up and not enough to suggest that they can do it. So this is a must-win for the Tigers. And if the Rabbitohs win this, then they can hopefully keep their spot in the eight, or hopefully for their sake... Uh, keep that spot in the eight and also pretty much eliminate one of those teams have so you can be like all right at least we don't have to worry too much about the tigers but if they beat you twice in the season all of a sudden you do have to start worrying about the tigers and also just where you stand in terms of making the finals dragons could make a run the raiders who beat them on the weekend they are starting to make a run um warriors probably not knights probably not bulldogs most likely not seagulls most definitely could make a run there's nothing to suggest that they couldn't take that spot especially if there are a couple of injuries at the rabbitohs so this is one that's going to be interesting to watch in its own right just given the implications that it has in terms of the whole season and where everyone is going to sit on the ladder come the end and finals calculations which is essentially for the lower teams like the Tigers and for like the Warriors, the team I support, like right now, Passmark is just make finals. If you can get in the eight, you can compete for a spot to win the premiership. But if you don't make finals, then you're not in with a chance. And for the Rabbitohs, well, a bit of a downfall this year. It's not too grim. It's, you know, it's going to take some time to rebuild. I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but they were the grand final runners up last year. They would want to be winning the Premiership this year. So this definitely a must-win game for both sides. And Rabbits, the most likely, as I've said, to drop out of the eight. Tigers, if they want to make a run for the eight, they have to get it done here. My key battle is going to be Damian Cook up against the returning Jake Simkin, who Jacob Little has been ruled out. Oh, not ruled out, sorry. He's just been dropped for Jake Simkin, who is a young Queensland dummy half. Never know. Could be a future... Queensland hooker, he'll have Arpi Corusau coming to the club next year, but Simkin's been chosen. It seems like he's the preferred number nine for the Tigers. Up against Damian Cook, who he's surely going to get named in that number nine jersey for the New South Wales Blues, but he knows that his club side need him, the Rabbitohs. They're lacking spark. They're lacking a bit of that X factor. They've obviously got Cody Walker, who last week I said he would get fire up and have a big game for indigenous round well in my case it actually was an indigenous round and the raiders way too good cody walker here i think he will fire up for indigenous round he'll be in for a big performance and damian cook he those are the two guys with no latrell some young guys in key positions like lachlan Ilias and blake taff at fullback and the experience of cook and walker who both 
late bloomers. They didn't come in as these young stars playing from like their teens. It took them a while to crack first grade, but once they did, they have that experience. They really plied their trade in reserve grade, knew exactly their identity as a player. And Damian Cook, he's a former beach sprinter. That's a bit of a hidden fact. Did you know? Former beach sprinter. Holy shit. I don't know if Jake Simkin did. I don't think so. I think you would have heard about it. It's a tricky game to predict, but I'm going to go the Rabbitohs. Despite, if the Tigers win here, then I'm going to really start to take the stats seriously this year of teams winning both fixtures. That will start to become a thing if the Tigers win here. I do think they're a danger side for the Rabbitohs. If you know, if you're fucking putting your life savings on a multi, I wouldn't put um, the Rabbitohs in there. Yeah, I, I don't know if the odds would suggest just how dangerous the Tigers actually are here, but with so much on the line and so much at stake, I think the Rabbitohs have more to draw from, given that the, the Tigers haven't even sniffed the finals for like a decade, whereas the Rabbitohs are coming off a grand final loss. They know what it's like. They want to be there come that time at the end of the year, and they know, ooh, English, English slip-up, and they know that their position is under threat is it under threat by the Tigers? We'll find out, but I'm going to take the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I'm expecting a bit of Cody Walker magic, a bit of Cody Walker X-Factor to step up alongside Damian Cook, but ultimately the Fords need to aim up because I think that's where the Tigers can get them. They can make it a real grinding battle like they did in the Golden Point win, but I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs just because there is so much at stake. JJ, Rabbitohs Tigers, what's your take? Yeah, I really like some of your takes there, actually. Uh, lots on the line here, but I've been really down on the Rabbitohs this season. I've said multiple times they've lacked creativity, uh, especially in attack, but I think this is the game where they really make a statement, where they uh, show a little bit of the shades of where they were last year. Obviously, we've talked about what pieces are missing in that regard. But yeah, it's the Tigers... Uh, I just can't believe in the Tigers fully. I know they've been on a bit of an uptick. I've really liked what I've seen from like Jackson Hastings. He seems really busy. Seems like he's trying to make stuff happen. But they've been a bit vulnerable on the edges for sure. So I think the Rabbitohs will get a lot of joy down there. And I think they'll win convincingly. So yeah, Rabbitohs probably by a big margin. Okay, the Saturday night fever fixture. But not too much fever. No, no we're not, uh, not enough to isolate. But some proper Saturday night fever. Uh, it should be groovy, or will it be? It's going to be the 16th place Bulldogs hosting the 11th place Dragons. Not so groovy, but it is at Belmore, which groovy, probably not the right word, but exciting. I'm actually really keen to see it go down. I love seeing the suburban grounds. Belmore will be cool. Bulldogs will get a lift from that. Dragons, I mean, I was talking just before about Rabbitohs. And Tigers, I've talked a lot in the podcast about how settled the top eight looks, not in terms of where everyone sits in the top eight, but in terms of like who looks like they're starting now in terms of going into origin about thinking forward to the finals and who just have to fucking like, you know, like if your star player has a bit of an injury niggle, which sides can be like, let's give him a week off because we're going to play finals and which sides just like, please, please, you have to play. Uh, and I think we're starting to get a pretty clear picture of that. The Dragons, as I mentioned, they are one of the more credible sides in that bottom eight that stand a chance of making a run. 
And this is a game where, like, if they lose to the Bulldogs, which is an absolute possibility, Bulldogs have some strike. Let's not forget they beat the Roosters. Matt Burton, Josh Adokar, Tevita Pangai. Josh Jackson works very hard. And I can see them causing the Dragons some issues. Mick Potter coaching the Bulldogs. Like, ever since the Trent Barrett thing, now it's just a bit... It's a bit off. And I think some of the players, like, morale is down. Confidence is down. Not that much higher at the Dragons. I'm thinking of someone like Tyrell Sloan, who there's been talk, maybe he doesn't see a future there. And look, I don't take these reports too seriously, but uh, someone could definitely swoop in, especially like Cody Ramsey, fully deserving of the fullback spot for the Dragons. Played outstanding last week, but Tyrell Sloan, maybe the Dolphins take him and he goes to Wayne Bennett. He definitely, like, yeah, maybe Anthony Griffin's right and it's going to take some time. But the way it's kind of been handled hasn't been great for confidence. And at the same time, I think maybe we just need to build up reserve grade a little bit more. And like it's been talked about before, I have like under 20s into the reserve grade into the main NRL. And then once you can have like the longer women's seasons, which would be cool then you can implement that in. And realistically, you probably have the women's right before the NRL. And then earlier, you have the reserve grade and the under 20s. But if you made reserve grade just like, you know, and they played at the stadium and it was all televised and it was just a little bit bigger of a deal, then it's, you know, just put a bit more prestige back into the reserve grade because it's not a bad thing to go back there and develop for Tyrell Sloan. But yeah, it's... It's pretty fast moving in the NRL these days and there's always a club that could use a fullback and would be more than willing to lure him over. Uh, And Jaden Sullivan, another rumor I saw that surely this one's bullshit. Uh, Potential trade deal with the Bulldogs, Kyle Flanagan for Jaden Sullivan. And this one, it's like, I swear, this this is more like, let's talk about this if this is actually confirmed. That would be madness. That would be... I mean, imagine Jaden Sullivan and Matt Burton. Like, that's legit. If the Bulldogs could be onto something. Kyle Flanagan, I don't know exactly where he would stand in the Dragons. Like, Ben Hunt, definitely the halfback. Unless they move him to... I don't know. Let's not pay this one too much thought. Uh, but yeah, if the Bulldogs get Jaden Sullivan, that would be fucking crazy. Imagine if they stro- uh, get a double whammy and they take Tyrell Sloan. That could definitely be a possibility... Or do they do Josh Adokar to fullback, which had been talked about at points last year? And um, Shane Flanagan. Shane Flanagan, not Kyle. Shane Flanagan, he's my tip. I think he's going to be the next Bulldogs coach. I think that's the best potential call. Paul Green, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think about the Cowboys. I think about the Maroons, but then I think about the Cowboys and where they were after their premiership years. And I think about Todd Payton and what he's doing at the Cowboys now and the discrepancy there and where the Bulldogs are at and what they've done to coaches like Trent Barrett's career and Dean Pay, one of their own fucking favorite sons. And even Des Hasler to a degree had his reputation tarnished, even though he took the side to a couple of grand finals. And that was like the last six, nearly dropped my notes, last success that they saw. So I don't know about Paul Green, no disrespect. Maybe there's a better job out there for him. Uh, Honestly, honestly, probably it'll end up being the Warriors. 
that's there's a hot tip. Like let's say Nathan, if things don't work out with Nathan Brown, poor ground, poor ground, poor Green probably goes to the Warriors. Uh, we'll see. But Shane Flanagan, I definitely think he's the best man for the Bulldogs job. It'd be interesting if the Carl Flanagan situation does take place where he coaches his son, or maybe that's a move that's being made. Like he's shifting his son to the Dragons to try and just, you know, be like, forge your own path. Dragons probably a better place to be than the Bulldogs. Um, And we'll get Jaden Sullivan, who is fucking awesome. But yeah, I don't know. I have no idea whether that's real. That one doesn't feel very real, in my opinion. Um, Let me find where I'm at in this one. I think I went past the Saturday night game. Okay, I did go past the Saturday night game. Uh, We'll go back to that. That's a good game. Not to be missed, that one. Uh, These notes. I I need to go back to the bigger notepad, JJ. This one is a bit, bit smaller, going across a couple of pages. Big notepad next week. And for NRL Power hour this Sunday but let's go on the Sunday game then I'll go back to the Saturday night fixture so yeah that was Saturday night fever what happened to Saturday night fever um I don't know but yeah Sunday at Belmore let's get on to what I was talking about I guess last up Dragons beat the Warriors can the Dragons make a run let's see Bulldogs they were bested by the Tigers yep uh key battle the halves in this one, the Dragons, you've got Ben Hunt and Talatau Amon, who is a very talented young kid. Ben Hunt playing outstanding football as well. Up against Matt Burton, who is the future of the Bulldogs, but confidence and morale shattered at the moment comparatively to what he was experiencing at Penrith. Came over to be under a coach, Trent Barrett, who he was familiar with from Barrett's time at Penrith. Barrett, a star 5'8 for New South Wales in his day, in his prime for the Dragons as well. Um, And for Matt Burton, like working under Trent Barrett, that seemed like a good fit for him. Now Barrett's gone and Burton's still playing great football. But overall, like the Bulldogs, it's like you put a Bulldogs jersey on and yeah, something just doesn't seem to be clicking there. For the Dragons though, this is like just such a must-win game. So... I think Ben Hunt, he's going to be a huge key to directing his side around the park. Another battle I am keen for, the fullback battle. Cody Ramsey, who seems like like last year that was the talk that he was going to be the guy to get that number one jersey when Matt Dufty departed. Matt Dufty lining up at fullback for the dogs. He's going to want to, you know, just send a little message to Hook, being like, you shouldn't have let me go. Even though it looks like Hook made the right decision, um yeah surely Matt Dufty like he's gonna come out and have a really big game Cody Ramsey had a huge game last weekend so I think that's gonna be a great battle to watch and Paul Vaughan the infamous barbecue he left the Dragons well now he's here at the Bulldogs lining up against the Dragons that'll be another interesting one and one thing of note is and this is like kind of media thing so I actually don't know a lot of what's going on I'm sure these guys I would have both, at least give Paul Vaughan definitely a go at my club, the Warriors. We don't need a fullback as much, but I like, I've loved Matt Dufty and watching him play since the juniors, but I, I, I don't know, I haven't like watched him from a critical angle because most of the time I'm betting against like the sides uh, that he's in. But like Matt Dufty and Paul Vaughan, they're both, like Dufty's already signed to Warrington Wolves for two years from next year in the Super League. 
And there's talk Paul Vaughan may be on the way to the Super League as well. So it's interesting that the guys that Hook did let go from the Dragons have gone to the Bulldogs and there's like, now it's, yeah, the next move is Super League. So Hook, potentially he's making the right moves here and he's got some really, really good young kids to work with as well as some experienced guys that he's brought in to offset the losses of a guy like Paul Vaughan and a guy like Matt Dufty. So it is interesting. And if Anthony Griffin is making the right moves, then that gives me a little bit more confidence that they will be able to get it done against the Bulldogs this weekend. My point of difference for the Bulldogs, Tevita Pangai Jr. Off the bench last weekend, he was like the only guy really making an impact, a dent in the opponent's defense. So Pangai Jr., he's going to be essential to getting through the Dragons, breaking that defensive wall, getting some offloads out there, and bringing some aggression in both attack and defense. Josh Adokar for the Blues. One question is, does he retain his New South Wales Blues spot? I think so. He is the fastest man on the planet. Um, And yeah, there's not like heaps of guys in that Blues system that are putting their hand up and saying like, Definitely pick me on the wing unless Brad Fitley goes a couple of different centers and plays Crichton on the wing. But I think Josh Adokar, he will hold that spot. He's been in pretty good form. It's just the dogs overall that haven't, which has hurt his chances. Definitely hurt Matt Burton's chances as well, who you'd have to say if he was playing left center for Penrith right now, he would be the first selected as soon as the trail went down. It would be Matt Burton and Katoni Staggs in the centers, which is still potentially an option. I'll get to my origin side at the end of the episode, but Matt Burton won definitely hurt by being at the Bulldogs club. Looking at the ins and outs, Josh Adokar, speaking of the Fox, he returns on the wing, and they've retained Jacob Kiraz and dropped Jaden Ockenbohr. So clearly this Jacob Kiraz kid, one of the ones the Bulldogs are saying, yeah, let's give him a go. I heard Phil Gould talking about 2024 is the year they kind of want the Bulldogs to really start firing and making a really big impact. Uh, And Kiraz, I think he's been signed till the end of 2024, potentially, uh, something like that. So that could be a really good signing. He looks the goods. And then once they get to 2024 and they're trying to make an impact, if if he's really part of that, then they'll re-sign him. You know, that's kind of the focus. So dogs i always thought it was going to take time it's a shame that trent barrett not at the helm but i think someone like shane flanagan can definitely return this club to its former success uh looking at the other changes max king starts as he did last week with pangai off the bench cody ramsey retained a fullback after a really great effort against the warriors looks like he's the first choice number one now for the dragons and Andrew, is it Andrew? Yeah, I thought of Anthony for a second. Andrew McCulloch back on the bench uh, and Embai starting at hooker. But there could be a late switch there where Embai comes to the bench and McCulloch starts in the number nine jersey. Some quick talking points. I wrote dogs in shambles. Shane Flanagan. There you go. I do think he's the right man for the job there. And Dragons must win to keep their finals hopes alive. So... This is a crucial game in their season. There is pressure starting to mount on Hook. Anthony Griffin and this talk about Sloan and this talk about Sullivan and yeah, all these agendas. So nothing like a win to ease a bit of that pressure. And 
start to get your files run on track. So there is pressure, but look, ultimately I think Hook will be safe. Does look like there's going to be a bit of a coaching merry-go-round next year, as the journalists fucking call it. But, you know, a few switches on the cards. Paul Green starting to get his name mentioned. Shane Flanagan works at Fox Sports conveniently, but also an awesome coach, getting his name mentioned a lot. Nathan Brown, like, he's been backed by the Warriors, but not totally secure. Uh, Trying to think of some others off the top of my head, like, Bulldogs don't even have a coach, for goodness sake. Michael Maguire, like, it doesn't take much for the media to just start pushing to get him out the door at the Tigers. And there are plenty of other clubs. So it looks interesting because now teams are starting to think, like, if a coach comes on the market or if there's a bit of movement, like, maybe we make our move now. So that's definitely going to be something of note. But I think Anthony Griffin, and I mean, if the Dragons for some reason do get rid of him, I don't think that would be the right call at all. But in that little merry-go-round, I'm sure Anthony Griffin could find himself a job. I'd probably, if I had to pick as a Warriors fan, like Paul Green or Anthony Griffin, I'd, I'd probably go Griffin, to be honest, at this point. I'm not exactly sure why. I rate Paul Green highly as a coach, but I'm not exactly sure what the right fit is for him. I guess we'll wait and see, because I'm sure Paul Green, either this year or next year, He's going to lock himself up a job somewhere. He seems like he's too good a coach not to be coaching first grade, but there are only 16 16? 16 jobs in the NRL. Both sides, they're seemingly building around their elite young talent. And so, yeah, both it's going to take some time, but they do seem like they could be in the finals picture for like years to come consistently once they've built to a certain level, but we don't know. That could crumble at some point. Like the Trent Barrett thing has definitely been like one step forward, three steps backwards for the Bulldogs. And so with the Dragons in with the shot at finals, I've got to go with St. George. I think Ben Hunt, you know, he'll be warming up for Origin, one of JJ's favorite players. And yeah, I think the Dragons, I was going to say that JJ would have the tools. Maybe you would. I mean, Bulldogs last on the ladder. Um, but The Dragons, I think they'll have the tools. I think they have more to play for. They're going to want it a lot. uh, Bulldogs, definitely a side that could trouble the Dragons. So this is another danger game. But ultimately, if the Dragons are serious about making a run for finals, which it's getting to that point now, looking at the competition points and where everyone stands, like the sides outside of the eight can't afford to be playing like they have in the first 11 rounds. They've really got to step it up. So... For that reason, I have to go with the Dragons. And yeah, I'm expecting a big game from Ben Hunt. So taking the Dragons over the Bulldogs. I'll jump back to that Saturday night game in a second. But JJ, Dragons and Bulldogs, where are you at with this one? Yeah, it's funny. I was actually curious when you were talking about the Saturday night game. Like, why have they put two absolute possible blowouts in a row in Saturday in primetime? Anyway, that makes a lot more sense. As you said, I think you summed it up really nicely. Bulldogs, absolute shambles. Ben Hunt will take over this game, I'm sure of it. And Dragons will absolutely stamp their authority. It's going to be a big one, Dragons. All right, back to the Saturday night fixture. We've got the fourth-placed Sharks who are surging up against the seventh-placed Roosters who are missing the mark a little bit. And this is going to be a fiery affair. One of the major talking points, Craig Fitzgibbon up against Trent Robinson, Craig Fitzgibbon, part of the furniture for years at the Sydney Roosters, 
He was like the defensive mastermind as well. Great player, better than a great player as well for the Roosters. Premiership player, was a captain, was a goal-kicking back rower, like such a great player. Trent Robinson and Craig Fitzgibbon, very close relationship. And maybe one of the things I think doesn't get talked about enough, one of the things that the Roosters, maybe why it's not clicking as much, potentially Craig Fitzgibbon, a much more monumental loss than we thought to the Roosters, considering Roosters 7th and Craig Fitzgibbon and his Sharks sitting in the top four. So very interesting. Obviously, Roosters, Trent Robinson, one of the great coaches, best coaches in the modern era, has a case for like, you know, all time. A very, very, very elite coach, Trent Robinson. Has some great assistants on the books as well. Jason Riles, who is highly rated, and Matt King, who, yeah, I'm interested to see Matt King's career trajectory. Loved watching him as a player. Had an elite Afro haircut. And, yeah, I'd like to see Matt King get a go somewhere at some stage. Come to the Warriors, bro. Fuck it. Um, But, yeah, Craig Fitzgibbon, his era at the Sharks, well and truly underway. They were far too good for the Titans on the Gold Coast on Sunday. And for the Roosters, they were torn apart by the Penrith Panthers, And yeah, they're going to need to lift big time. I think they will be able to draw this week on hearing stories of some of the great indigenous players of the club's past. And it doesn't get any more iconic or legendary than Arthur Beetson. So I do think Roosters, that is something like that could give them a huge lift and could definitely be an aspect in terms of like tipping or betting where maybe a bit of an underrated thing where potentially... Roosters this week, there'll be a lot of focus on the great players of the club's past. Like Arthur Beetson has had such an impact on the uh, Glam. Wow. Uh, And the Roosters specifically. So I think they will get a big lift from that. But speaking of a big lift, the Sharks always get a huge lift playing the Roosters. They've been a danger side for them for years, no matter where both sides sit on the ladder. Former Roosters players like Brayton Astor have said this themselves, and Michael Ennis, who played for the Sharks, they've talked about it is 100% a factor where the Sharks lift big time for the Roosters every time. So there's some Indigenous players on the Sharks side as well, who I think will get a big lift this weekend. None more so than Will Kennedy returning to the side at fullback, which is pretty timely because he didn't want to let Lachlan Miller, the young sevens player, get too much time at fullback because he absolutely killed it on debut last weekend. So Will Kennedy back into the side. He is very important in terms of the Sharks overall setup. And in terms of my X-Factor battle in this game, I've gone for the two number sevens. You have Luke Carey, who has a bit of X-Factor or a lot of X-Factor in terms of winning tight games. And Nico Hines, who he's in calculations for that origin bench spot. Whether he gets it or not, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, that is going to definitely be the battle. Organizing halves who can both turn it on in attack as well. And they'll have to lift in defense because definitely a lot of big forwards are going to be running at them all night. Going to be a very physical game in the Saturday night fixture. Checking the ins and outs, as I said, Will Kennedy back at fullback. Lachlan Miller down to 18th man, but... Maybe he comes onto the bench for Braden Trindle, like Lachlan Miller has a lot of utility value. And for the Roosters, Satili Tupuniua returns on the bench with Egan Butcher dropping out and Terrell May keeping his spot, the younger brother 
of Tyrone May and the older brother of Taylor May. Some of the talking points, well, the Roosters seemingly struggling to adjust to the modern game, their structures that have worked for them for so long starting to be picked apart, and they're missing that leadership, a huge void being left by Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend, and the Morris Twins. So they're just trying to, like, I know they've got a great captain in Tedesco and some elite players, but they're still adjusting. Now the game, like, sides like the Penrith Panthers, it's suiting them really well. And the Roosters have also lost, like, they lost to the Bulldogs, which was very un-Sydney Roosters-like. For the Sharks, the Craig Fitzgibbon era, well and truly underway. And the scary thing is, he knows exactly how the Roosters system works. The ins and outs for over 20 years. So, yeah, he definitely has the insight. He also has the connection to the Sharks, given that his father coached the Sharks at one time in the past. So... There are a lot of wires being crossed in this one, and no doubt, nothing but respect. There's not going to be any dirty tactics. Fitzgibbon, through and through, is a rooster's man. Like, he only left because Trent Robinson was, like, established. There's not really a need for Trent Robinson to step aside. And Fitzgibbon, well and truly ready to coach in the... Wow, English again. Whoops, Daisy, it is 10.48 p.m. Anyway, continuing, Fitzgibbon well and truly looks like a head coach in the NRL. And yeah, he's killing it with the Sharks at the moment. They're sitting higher than the Roosters. And the main thing, yeah, I'm really keen to see how the Sharks go and what they decide to do in terms of attack and defense against the Roosters with all the insight that they are going to have on how the Roosters operate. But in the same token, Trent Robinson is going to have a great intimate knowledge of Craig Fitzgibbon. And so is Nick Politis, who will be able to offer a little bit, just given that they would have seen pretty much the entire career of Craig Fitzgibbon, specifically Nick Politis. And they would have a great idea as to how his mind operates. They've worked, like Trent Robinson's worked with him very closely. So it's going to be interesting because they both know each other's game so well. It's season 2022. And they've got different players on the books, especially for Fitzgibbon. Sharks, totally different entity to Trent Robinson, whereas Fitzgibbon understands the Roosters players. Uh, And yeah, like this one excites me a lot on Saturday night. My point of difference is Braden? Blake Braley, sorry. I don't know what's going on tonight. Uh, Blake Braley, the point of difference. The Roosters, they're kind of waiting for Brandon Smith to come and play dummy half for them. Verrill's injured. Connor Watson coming off the bench. I believe Drew Hutchison's starting. Um, And yeah, for the Sharks, Blake Braley, he's absolutely firing in the number nine. And if Damian Cook was to pick up an injury or get suspended here, who's to say Blake Braley won't be playing number nine for the New South Wales Blues? Coruscant, another option, Reese Robson. But Blake Braley could be at like, Cook's got it down pat, but he's still got 80 minutes or at least a game to get through. And Blake Braley, he's a point of difference. Really, really elite young number nine. And that's something the Roosters are kind of lacking. So I think Blake... Break? It's a tricky, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, I think Braley, he's going to be a bit of an attacking weapon. And if he can stand up in defense, which he has been all year, and really stepping up under the tutelage of Craig Fitzgibbon... Well, then I think Blake Braley is going to be a major reason as to why the Sharks could win this. And whilst it's very tough to pick, I'm going to go with the Cronulla Sharks. I really do believe in what Craig Fitzgibbon is building now. 
The Roosters, I have way more question marks over them than I did entering this season. Not so much long-term, but definitely in terms of premiership calculations. And who knows, like, if they continue to be pretty patchy, there's nothing to suggest that maybe they don't fall out of the top eight. So they know that they need to lift. This is a crucial game for them to win. Sharks have shown lapses throughout the season that the Roosters could exploit, but ultimately, I'm going to go with form lines. And at this point in the competition, just before Origin, where they've still got the same crop of players that have been playing the majority of this season, like the Sharks have played better. So I'm going to take the Cronulla Sharks in what would be a huge win for the club. I'm taking it into account that they always lift for these games. I know the Roosters are going to lift, but yeah, gee whiz, should be a close one. Got to go the Sharks in this one though. JJ, as I said, very close. Sharks, Roosters, how are you viewing this one? Yeah, look, I want to say everything on paper makes me want to take the Sharks. But every time I keep thinking about it, it's just the Roosters that keep coming to mind. And I don't know why exactly. My whole read on the Roosters season is pretty similar to yours. They've been a bit patchy. They've lost some questionable games like the Bulldogs you mentioned. But um, a couple of weeks ago with the Sharks against the Raiders, was there was a huge red flag there. And I know they had a few guys out and um, guys playing in different positions. But for some reason, I just think... A bit of, you know, Master versus Apprentice, a bit of the uh, old head versus the new young button coach. I think he's going to know the tricks he might use, and I think they'll use that to the advantage. And this is a game that screams that Tedesco, he might just take over. Obviously, they'll have to shut down Hines. He's had a huge impact this season, and he's playing back in the halves, right? Yep. So that's that's back to normal, and Kennedy back in. I've had a few questions about Kennedy's defense, but he definitely adds a ton um in the attack so it should be a great game nonetheless but i'm gonna go roosters actually in a in a close one don't know why but the roosters one all right jumping into the last game on sunday and it's the eels heading down to canberra take on the raiders and i have to think pretty hard about this one how this one might play out eels like they're one of those teams that can hit those heights had some great wins against the storm some other big contenders but they can also hit the lows as well. And this one just screams a one where they might be a bit cold, like literally cold because of the weather and just a little bit cold in the game. Uh, the Raiders are on a little bit of an uptick, which has been good for them. Uh, start of their season has been a little bit dicey. They lost Hodgson and that, that's that been my kind of theory on why. It's, they've been a little bit slow, but... They've had a couple of good wins recently, and um, I think they're somewhat back to where people expect them to be. And in this game, I think they'll—I don't know if it's a statement, but they'll—they'll they'll reaffirm their kind of um, strong home ground advantage in this one. And I think they'll just get it done against the Eels. But if the Eels are going to be true contenders this year, this is a game they must win, uh, and they must win convincingly. So this isn't with a lot of confidence, but I am going to go with the Raiders. About to jump into the preview with Mick. How do you see this one playing out? All right, last minute change as well. I said I was going to name the Origin squads at the end. <clears throat> excuse me of this episode, but you know what? You you got to follow not just sports report on Instagram. Not because this isn't for clout and trying to get you to follow. Uh, it's just getting later, and I'm like I'll probably go into it at maybe during the Power Hour podcast. But uh, I just thought, yeah, why not add some extra stuff to the Instagram page? So I'll make it a visual graphic. And yeah, best 17 or preferred 17. And there's a couple of like positions like on the bench. I'm not sure Jack Whiten 
Nico Hines. There are a few different ones. For the Maroons, like Murray Taolonghi or Xavier Coates, uh, there are a few. There are a few, so I need to sleep on it. Uh, and then I'll put the graphics out there. So, yeah, at not just a sports report on Instagram, but at the same time, if you can't be fucked, like, this is, I'm not trying to shill it. Um, just, yeah, uh, it'd just be a bit easier at this point. And then... Uh, I'll just talk about it on the NRL Power Podcast. So if you don't ha- want to see the Instagram, just listen on Sunday. Or don't, whatever. Anyway, uh, ninth-placed Raiders hosting the sixth-placed Eels. This is the last game of the round, so we'll wrap it after this. And look, ninth-placed Raiders on a real hot streak at the moment in hot Canberra. Not cold Canberra, cold as fuck. Ricky's Raiders really starting to click though. Zach Wolford, hugely underrated by um, just having a specialist hooker and then styling off the bench. They've killed it. They've absolutely killed it in the last couple of weeks. The Eels, well, they've had really important wins at crucial points, but they're lacking consistency. It's been like win-loss, win-loss. They were really poor at points up against the Manly Seagulls, but they managed to get it done. And a win's a win, and they sit in sixth place heading into Origin, which they're going to have to manoeuvre to some degree. And yeah, we'll see how it plays out, as JJ likes to say. But Zach Wolford for the Raiders, that is a great buy. And for the Eels, yeah, they are lacking consistency. But the thing we've got to remember is, like, they know that. They fucking know that. They know that they've been lacking consistency. So that's what makes them dangerous, because they are going to be coming to Canberra with the absolute goal of building some consistency getting a back-to-back win, going and starting to get their season on track with some top four aspirations in their sights. Checking the ins and outs, Micah Sivo named in the extended reserves again. Presumably he will play in the New South Wales Cup unless he comes in late. He scored a double at New South Wales Cup level last weekend, so we'll see how he goes in that regard. Wanga Blake, he's up on the wing, so... I think they'll go Wanga Blake on the wing for this game and then maybe next week Wanga Blake in the centres and Mike Sivo onto the wing. But we'll see what they decide to ultimately do. But this week Wanga Blake returns from injury and he has potential to hurt the Raiders. He is a big strike player for the Eels, so definitely a big in. Another player I will be closely watching, Regan Campbell Gillard. Gillard, sorry. It's an origin audition for him. He's played origin before. He's played for the Kangaroos as well, I believe. But there are, like, there's guys in the mix. So Campbell Gillard fighting for a spot in the origin side. This, no doubt, if he comes out and has a huge game, he will be right in the calculations. Well and truly in the frame. Not just a sports report on Instagram or NRL Power Podcast. I will talk and post about the origin teams. My predictions... And then I, I guess I'll just post the graphic because on the Sunday, if the teams are named, we'll see if the teams are named. But yeah, if the NRL Power Podcast comes out, there'll be some form of coverage about it because it's exciting. Origin is coming up. I'll be covering the game, so there'll be a preview of that. There'll be a review of that as well. Looking at the Raiders' ins and outs, Adam Elliott starts at lock. Jared Croker was named and then he's been injured. Uh, which is quite grim. I'm not too sure what happens going forward, but we'll just wait and see on that. Seb Chris was named on the bench, so you'd have to presume he comes into the starting lineup at left center. Chance Nicole Klukstad is out. Uh, he's been playing fullback but injured, so Xavier Savage, who scored an electrifying try last week, he comes into the side at fullback. 
still maturing and learning as a player, but I mean, when he's on, uh, fuck, he's so fast. And he's not just fast, but he's skillful and he's young with a lot to learn. But that's not a bad thing. Like, the more he learns, the fucking better he's going to get. So I'm excited to see Xavier Savage in the lineup. And the biggest in for the Raiders all gear, Jamal Fogarty, the man that they signed to replace George Williams in the halfback position. He was essential to their team and what they were trying to build. He trained all preseason as that number one full, uh, not fullback, fucking hell, uh, halfback, first preference. And throughout the whole season, we've seen the Raiders. They haven't used Jamal Fogarty yet. It is his club debut. We've seen the Titans have been criticized for letting him go. They believe that the Titans should have been using him. And for the Raiders, he trained there all preseason. He was the guy. They haven't been able to use him at all. At points, they've been without both him and Whiten, both their first choice halfbacks, using their halves, and they've been using their third and fourth string halves. So this is a major, major in for the Raiders at a great time where they're starting to get things going. So Jamal Fogarty, that is a crucial in for Canberra. And the Green Machine, definitely back in form. So I'm excited to see this one go down. Anyone who knows me knows that the Raiders are my second team. So it's good when the Warriors are playing pretty mediocre. Like, hey, Raiders are getting going. Something to get excited about watching this weekend. But I do know that the Eels are going to be desperate for back-to-back wins. So they're definitely a threat. They sit higher on the ladder. You'd have to say they're more likely to lift the Premiership at the end of the year than the Raiders. Although we don't exactly know how either likely or how likely either are. Um, but yeah, the, the Parramatta Eels, they're going to be doing everything they can to get the win. But now I'm starting to get excited about the Raiders. So this is a bit of an excitement pick. I'm going to take the Raiders. In terms of my point of difference, for the Eels, I actually went Ryan Matteson. He has been absolutely fucking awesome. I've been a huge fan of how he's been playing for the Eels. My key battle was the props, Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard up against Josh Papali'i and Joseph Tarpanay. That'll be an absolutely great exchange in the middle of the field, but I'm going the Raiders, and this one's an excitement pick. I'm getting around my second team, and yeah, Eels lacking consistency. They're definitely going to be out for the win this weekend, but starting to get excited about the Raiders. They've been playing some pretty exciting football the last couple of weeks, and if they can build on that, then right now they're ninth, so seemingly they are the most likely side from outside the eight to claim a spot and play finals. And when they're sitting 15th, I said they are way too good a side to be sitting in this position. Now they're starting to play up to their potential and yeah, excitement building. So in the last game of the round, I'm gonna be taking the Raiders over the Eels. And with that being said, that is for the second time I've done indigenous round. This time it was actually indigenous round. And yeah, last week was a lot of fun as well. But those are our tips, myself and JJ, for all of the games this weekend and we'll be back or i'll at least be back for the nrl power hour podcast talking about all of the games throughout the weekend some thoughts on that i'll be posting the origin my teams or just the teams yeah i think on form over on the instagram page and then there'll be some reactions over the weekend either on the power hour podcast or just a separate shorter form podcast on the origin teams and thoughts on that because that is going to be a huge part of the year. Next week, we're only going to have four games with the buy round and players missing through Origin. So that's going to be interesting. This is a full round. And after this, we head into 
the origin period. So now we kind of have an idea over the first third of the season where teams stand in terms of finals or not finals. But heading into origin, this could be the great equaliser. So we'll see how this goes. But that has been NRL Indigenous Round, the weekly preview. I mean, it could be. It's been two weeks in a row. Who knows? Stay tuned next week for the NRL Indigenous Round preview. But yeah, NRL Power coming up this weekend. We'll get into all the games. And yeah, should be some great fun. But that that's the thoughts on all eight games. So I won't waffle on. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, then don't forget to join me this weekend for the NRL Power Hour podcast. But other than that, not much else to report on uh, other than an hour and 44 minutes of that. Um, so yeah, enjoy the footy this weekend and take care of yourselves.